Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watch the Ticker. It is that time of year, so happy holidays to all of you, regardless of what you're celebrate, celebrating, even if you celebrate nothing at all. Um, in that case, I guess, happy December. So, Alex, I know you and I are both in the same boat when we say this year has sucked, and I know we are not in the minority thinking that. It has been a very, very long year for everyone, and we are closely coming up to the end. Let's hope 2021 brings us a little bit more of a good time. Yeah. Some good fortune in 2021. I'm just asking for a, a stable stock market so I can start going back in there and taking gambles. We love it. We love it. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Uh, no, a stable stock market is is always something to be happy about. Literally, when we first started this uh, podcast, our specific uh, requirements or the main thing we we're trying to get to everybody was just basic investment advice and how to proceed with everything. But I promise you, since quarantine started, I have been playing with uh, call options or put options in this case uh, because of the market just not being stable all the time, like it usually is. And it's kind of tough because it's against honestly what I try to preach because I'm like, hey, you know, slow average buying stocks and stuff. So I'm just ready for it to go back to being how it was at the beginning of 2020 when I was able to make very good educated guesses. I was about to say playing options and stuff like that isn't really it's your, a gamble. your normal aesthetic. Don't that do is, it. It is not something I know you guys don't know Alex and I super well, but it is not something that he does on a regular basis. So when he told me he was doing that for the first time, I was I was pretty shocked, honestly. And it was actually our other buddy. We went on vacation. So once uh, COVID you know, really picked up and we all started working from home. We ended up going to be isolated from everybody because all of us, I mean, we, we are always together um, mm-hmm. because we're really close to each other, but we all were like, Hey, let's just go to a small part of Colorado to really get away and just isolate and try to do our own 14 day uh, quarantine, you know, to really make sure that nothing's going through the system and whatnot. Yep. And when we were there, our buddy was talking to me and he was showing me his option calls for uh, NVIDIA and um, I am drawing an Activision mm-hmm. and I did not know fully what it was. I understood how it worked, but I did not understand the amount you could make until he made it really big a few of those days. Mm-hmm. And then I heard about puts. And he hit hard a couple of those he days. Hit, he hit very hard. It was like a few hundred percent gain on mm-hmm. what he had. So uh, yeah, he showed me. Um, that's why I'm ready for the market to kind of come back to how it was because I do not, like you can make a very calculated risk with, with options, but it's not what I like. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not massive into day trading. I'm more of like a swing trader when it comes to stuff. And I'm very long term with a lot of my, my stocks. Even if you look at my portfolio, half the stuff I have is a five, 10 year wait time until it, you know, is going to prosper. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So happy holidays. Happy holidays (laughs) to all of you. I hope, I hope this year has been, has had minimal, uh, as minimal an impact on you as possible. I know that's a really weird thing to say. Uh, for coming out of this year, but I just hope it was as easy as it possibly could have been and, and you didn't encounter um, or you countered as minimal of hardship as possible going through it. We have an interesting topic today. Yes. Uh, this is something Alex and I both did very recently. So we thought, hey, good time to talk about it. So Alex, why don't you introduce our topic real fast? 
Yes. So it's uh, real estate. You know, um, if you pay $99 a month, you can hear us talk. About, I'm just kidding. I was going to do some <laughs> Facebook pitch on why you should go with us for buying uh, wholesale portfolios of real estate to then sell to somebody else that I think is a complete joke. Uh, um, it's a scam. But what we're here to talk about is the current rates for you to get mortgage loans. Uh, we have been pulling a lot of data here recently. And it was something that I wrote a document for a customer uh, about a, about two weeks ago. Um, and we pretty much just took a bunch of MRO data, which essentially just takes data from 250,000 individuals and it breaks down percentages of why individuals do stuff. Marketers use it for consumer behavior to find a target market for when they're projecting um, their new product to somebody or where they need to place something inside of a store. But you can also utilize that data to show based off of past um, sales volumes or past sales algorithms of what work and, and what works and what doesn't when it comes to like the whole whole environment or economy of, of the US. And that was something that we ran through and we looked at. And it's something I wanted to talk about because these are historically the lowest rates um, that we have ever seen. But at the same time, I want to joke because every time I hear these are the lowest rates, it makes me laugh because the rates have always went down. So last year was the lowest rates. The year before that was the lowest rates. So every year it seems like it's going down. Right. Uh, but being it's it, like an, it's like iPhone releases. This is the best it, iPhone ever. Well, oh, I would right. hope so. It's a year newer. <laughs> right. So, I mean, but on, on the flip side of that, we do have to take that into consideration. This this could be the lowest because you're approaching almost zero percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, even an automotive, zero percent is not truly zero percent. And you know, it's something that, that I wanted to really understand and really break it down to make sure now is a good time to buy or how long should I wait? So that's something that I just want to talk to you guys about. And, you know, ultimately the entire answer is you still have a few years to, to pull the trigger for this. Mm -hmm. So based off of all the data, and this is data that came from the treasurer's office, uh, the national treasurer's office that brings all this data in for, uh, mortgage loans over the past, I want to say it was 80 years that I was able to actually pull. Um, and this is every single year broken up into an average. And a lot of people that we see on the news, especially is mortgage rates are going to go up if you get a Democratic president or they're going to go down if you get a Republican president or, you know, if it's independent, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm going to go ahead and squash all that beef there is that's not how that happens. So mm-hmm. this is all based off of economic turn and, and how the economy is currently doing. And it's based off of almost a decade. So if something is very impactful today, tomorrow's not going to fluctuate that rate. What's going to fluctuate is how we proceed with that impact over the next decade. And what I mean by that is you see the big housing crash. Uh, Slightly before that, though, the market, the loan rates were only a few percent lower than what happened and what hit. And that's what I'm saying. So we had a big impact that occurred based off the data in the early 90s. um, And we did not correct that properly. And that's what ultimately caused the, the, the market crash. There were a lot of other things that went into that. I'm not going right. to break up the detail because that'd be a seven hour podcast. But I was about to say we could we could do 10 hour long episodes about why why it crashed in 08. But it all came back to exactly what you're saying. And the fact that people were getting loans for way more than they could actually afford to get loans for. Exactly. And it's small things like that that add up over time that destroys the economy. And it, I mean, it doesn't destroy it, but it hurts it for the value of uh, a loan rate of what's currently going. So based off all this data, what I'm saying is at one point it was almost 
for a mortgage loan. Now it's at, you can get some at 2.5. Um, I think I pulled mine at 3.2 whenever I got mine right when COVID started. Um, for, and, your, for your mortgage, you're saying? Yeah, for, for, for my mortgage. Mm-hmm. And again, ultimately it's based off of credit. If you have very bad credit, it would be drastically different than someone with insanely good credit that's able to get like a 2.5 or something. But what I'm saying right. overall is you still have a few years. You don't have to worry about, you know, the, the pandemic hurting us so much to the point where, um, loans or or loan rates are going to be affected that much. The one thing you will have to take into consideration is people that will be defaulting on loans if we continue to um, not have some type of stimulus in the economy, such Mm -hmm. as consumer spending, whatever it may be. I'm I'm not going to go in depth with that. But what I'm saying is we've already seen a few numbers uh, go up there. So what would happen then is if a bunch of people defaulted on loans and foreclosures would occur. The interesting part now, though, is we have more wealth today than we did, you know, 15, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and so on. And individuals have more cash up front to buy foreclosures. Um, So again, based off the data and based off how the economy would stand, there are people stock holding to purchase foreclosed homes or back bought homes or or bank notes, anything from a bank. So what you're saying here, and I'm just for everyone listening, kind of want to give a little bit of a brief summary on what Alex went into a lot of information right there. what you're saying basically is there is going to be a market if we don't see some sort of stimulus, some sort of support, mm-hmm. right, coming out from the government. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a market out there for these homes, which have now been taken back by the bank. Yes. And which now have have essentially people weren't able to make the payments is what that means. Correct. The bank came in, took it back. And that is an opportunity as horrible as it is and as little as I like to deal with people's suffering in finance. And that is kind of what this is when someone loses their home, that's a person suffering. But there is going to be that market out there for homes which have defaulted and people will be scooping them up. Yes. And that's and that was always one of the things. I mean, if you watch any news channel ever, um, for some reason they focus on that. But when we're pulling all this data, that was my main concern: is how do you combat that argument? Because it is a it's a valid argument. I mean, sure. it, it makes sense. That's what happened with the, the market crash and everything. It's just what happens. But based off of our current standings, um, depending on certain markets, it, I, I do not see that occurring from all the data that I looked at. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the one thing that I will state going. Forward forward though is home values. So depending on what market you're in, a lot of homes are very inflated due to this whole auction pricing for homes, um, which I would, in case if I haven't mentioned it before, I was in real estate before I got my current job. And what 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 that means is you'll have an agent that says, let's list your house at 100,000. You as the seller will be like, well, my home's worth 150. Um, that's the value. That's everything going around here. That's what it's selling for. But the theory is what they're going to eBay auction it. Essentially, they're going to try to get as many bidders as possible. And what's going to happen is the highest bidder is then going to pay an extra 20 grand on top of what the home's actually worth. The issue there is the buyer then has to pay that 20 grand outside of their pocket because the bank's not going to cover that because it's not the true value of the home. But now that that home sold for 180, now the home values in the area go up. So due to this, and this this occurred in 2013 was when this was a massive focus because that's when I was there and I had literally had a 200 page handbook on how to sell and how to negotiate homes for higher value, which again, kudos to the agent for getting their, their sellers more money. That, that's that's that was their job. Sure, hats off to them on that. Right, but the issue is we're going to see homes that are 20, 30% higher than where they should be. And if 
homes, you know, fault back on their original loans, we will see a decrease in the value of the home. But overall, the loan itself, the loan uh, percentage or your your current rate for your mortgage loan will not, it's not going to be going up another 15% next year. Like that's just not going to happen. Right. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. The point you're making here essentially is you could be in a situation where you've overpaid for the home that you've purchased. Yes. And once you get into a situation, the difficult part is, you know, when you're looking at real estate, it's really easy to to fall in love with a home, right? It's an emotional purchase. I kind of consider it the same way yes. when you're buying a car. For yeah. for a lot of people, buying a car is an emotional purchase. And for I know for me and for you, buying a home was an emotional purchase. It has to feel right. It was stressful. But you don't want to be stuck in a situation where you've completely overshot the value in the area and where you've completely overshot the value in your neighborhood or just on the home that you're purchasing. Correct. Be realistic. Correct. It might be your dream home. You may be looking at it and going, that is the exact place it has everything I want. But if it's $20,000 over where it should be, over where it's estimated to be, and it, it, it's not matching up with the comps in the area, mm-hmm. and, and comps are just basically real estate agents will take, compare. they will compare properties, or appraisers, excuse me, will compare properties and they'll be like, this is very similar, same square footage, bathrooms, bedrooms, et cetera, yep. same kind of area. And they'll give a price for that and an estimate for that. And they'll compare it to your house. Um, but if you get stuck in a situation where you've paid 20 grand more than the house is actually worth, most likely, then that is a going to be a hard house to sell and recoup your money on. And you will. it's likely going to be one that sits on the market for a little bit longer than it should. Correct. Unless you are in a crazy housing area, which just happens to be immune to that, which few and far between of those in the entire world. And they sometimes, the uh, you know, I want to hit on that point real quick because you mm-hmm. mentioned it, um, because it's what financial uh, managers or financial oper- CFOs, it's what they look at ultimately whenever they're looking to make massive corporate real estate investments. So if you have someone going into a deal, sometimes they'll add an extra 3% uh, capital gain or 3% on top of the current price of the home. Mm-hmm. So they're essentially saying that the CPI, the consumer pricing index for the value of a product is going to go up 3% by next year. They're just taking that 3% for next year, throwing it in because they know they're going to hold on to that home for two years. Right. So you can do that. And that's definitely a okay. And mm-hmm. 3% of a hundred thousand is three grand. So you can get there. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there because if you do plan on living at a home for a while, you can definitely finagle it and go two or three years out of uh, 3% each year compounded onto that current price. Sure. Yeah, and above all else, just do your research. Yeah, know it goes the back area. to our stock, our stock comment, do the research. Right, yeah, do the research, do your homework, take the time because you're going to be kicking yourself for years if you purchase a home and you regret that purchase. I cannot imagine making that big of a purchase and feeling that instant regret about it. You'll be stuck is what will happen exactly. unless you want to take a loss. So, I mean, again, if you're buying a $100,000 home and it's currently $100,000, but you're paying 120000 to get it, but next year your work tells you you have to move and someone's only willing to pay hundred and you know $103,000 based off CPI going up for one year, mm-hmm. you're out seventeen grand. Right. Not counting whatever you've not been able to pay off your mortgage loan because you still have interest that you're occurring off your, your loan that you're still paying. So that's why I'm saying you have to, you have to, have to, have to do your research on that because that's where people are, are starting to mess up. And that, what I just said there was a very small, uh, 
change mm-hmm. but you see on four or five hundred thousand dollar homes people are going 100k over the asking or over the value of the actual home and that's where you're going to be stuck in a pickle we have a neighborhood um around us or, or i guess around me more so uh since you're you're a little further north but uh there's a neighborhood out here where houses that are my ex- my home's exact size square footage bedrooms bathrooms everything are double the cost mm-hmm. and like that's just kind of how that neighborhood is developed i don't necessarily understand why it is that way it's a nice area for sure um but it just turned into this pocket where costs skyrocketed yep. for those kind of homes and that that's what we're talking about too you've got to know the area you got to do the research and understand what you're hopping into because for me buying a home in that area it wasn't worth the cost it was it didn't make sense i wasn't getting any additional benefit quote unquote in my mind there's no value to be offered for right to pay double what i paid for, for the same size house could you yeah yeah and uh i mean because we're coming to the end of this this episode because we want to make this quick since it is the holidays but there's just one last tidbit i want to bring with this that i was thinking of while zach was talking and it's how to do a comp analysis for your current home and this is how i would do them so i'm going to tell you first this is how agents give you a rough estimate is they'll look at the MLS. They'll look at three comparable homes near you based off of size. So bedroom and bathroom plus garage uh, and basement, whatever other values such as pools and et cetera. And that's how they'll do their comp. Uh, Appraisers go more in depth and look at all homes sold near you. Um, They charge a lot of money to do that. So this is how I did it purchasing my home. And this is how I did it for any customer I worked with in real estate. Mm -hmm. Pop open an Excel sheet, find where you want to live. I'm going to go ahead and throw this out here this is a midwest approach again if you're in new york california uh, places that are real estate is very high you i don't know if you can really utilize this because i don't know how those markets work because i'm not around those so again take what i'm saying with a grain of salt if you're in those neighborhoods if you're in the midwest i know this works because i've done it and i've done it for a few years mm-hmm. take an excel sheet pick where you want. If you're living in the burbs, find an entire block of your burb that you're on. So where I'm at, there is five streets that's in my complete burb. Of those five streets, there's roughly 70 homes. Out of those 70 homes, I put in ones that sold within the past year into an Excel sheet. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like 12 homes. I put how many beds, how many baths, the selling price per square foot. Did they have a garage? Did they not have a garage? And I put their selling price um, or how much someone paid. You can double verify that with the auditor's website. So the works if you're looking to live in a certain subdivision because you can run it for all the homes but this is how i did before i purchased my home so i knew what was the best amount to offer right so once you have that price that is your average that's your gold standard for what you should pay for a home Mm -hmm. based off of everything being just basic and average. So if you go into a home that needs to be updated, then you have to minus a monetary amount from that. And that can be your offer price or you can work it in with a seller. So for me, I needed my fireplace to be fixed, which came in at a whopping five grand. Um, that was what I negotiated. That's to get. what your fireplace came in at? Yes. Oh my God. I'm sorry for the sidebar guys. I just didn't know that. So it wasn't patched. Pretty much all of it was falling down and I had to have the entire left side repatched completely. So it didn't fall and yank out half my house. Gotcha. So, and that is a little expensive. If you live in certain rural areas, it's not that expensive because I did a bunch of cost analysis based from where I'm from back in Ohio, drastically Mm -hmm. cheaper. Anyways, I I took that 5K off. That's what I went in. They accepted the price that I offered. And after everything said and done, my home was slightly below the average because I still had to do updates in the home because I bought a moderately 
a, a, a home that needed a moderate remodel. Right. That is how I do mine. The other best way that you can possibly do it is if you're in rural areas such as farm, you need to look at acreage prices. So if you're buying a if you're buying something on five or six acres, they at that point take acreage into consideration. You need to look at acreage price based off of is it a as they call a tillable is is it something that's farmland? So are they going to be able to plant crops? And what you need to find farmland based off of values sold, and you need to add that into your home. If it's not and it's just basic land, do not make it commercial because then that's when it gets really astronomical. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll add that to the value and then you'll do the same thing for comps based off of homes and that's how you can add a value to make sure you're offering your best price. Just wanted to throw that in at the tail end here. So not only do you know the interest rates, in my opinion, are not going up over the next few years, now you have a general idea of how to make sure you're offering the correct price for your home uh, without having to pay 500 bucks to have an appraiser come in for every single home you wanna buy or having a real estate agent tell you this is a crazy deal on a home, but in reality it's not because mm -hmm. they're comping you to homes that look nothing like yours just based off of beds and rooms. And that was my biggest issue because I was, I was being compared to homes that had um, very nice siding and some brickwork. My mm -hmm. home's the entire thing is wood, right? So the outside's wood. Um, so you can't compare that, in my opinion, because if you have, if once you start laying brick, you've now added a more luxurious aspect to your home, and it, it shows because you'll see it in your neighborhood. A home with brick will sell traditionally for a few thousand dollars more than something without it. Something with nice siding will sell a few thousand, and that's what you need to take into consideration when you're looking at homes and make sure you can value all that out uh, because. Because again, you're going to be buying a house that's not as nice as everyone else's and you're paying the same amount and that just does not make financial sense. No. And, and so, and, and here's the most important thing, I think, in, in my opinion anyway, I know we different perceptions for everyone, but from what you just said there, going in and analyzing the cost per square foot, price per square foot, that is, in my opinion, one of the most honest indicators for a home's value is when you're looking, if you know you're overpaying or underpaying is looking at price per square foot. Because I, I know some people are going to argue me and say, oh, but the appliances and stuff like that and oh, the different interiors, it all makes a difference. Yes, it does. It 100% does. But when you're sitting there and you're looking at the frame of the house, now you have a reference point, right? And then you can go in, you've taken price per square foot and you can utilize that price per square foot to determine if those features in the individual houses warrant that extra cost or that less cost in some cases for you as the individual, it provides you a baseline and something to work off with. So you're not just shooting from the hip here and guessing and saying, oh, well, this one has uh, Wolf makes really nice appliances, right? If you bought a house and has Wolf appliances in it, oh, it has it, all the whole kitchen is Wolf appliances, and right? And yeah, you, I mean, you're hitting a tail point that made me think mm -hmm. that it, for negotiation, if you're in that, and this drives people nuts, and I promise you, if you say this to your real estate agent, they more than likely would be very upset and annoyed with you. But one thing that I always see is you just mentioned appliances. People are like, oh, this has brand new stainless steel appliances. This has a, a MSRP of $5,000. Like this definitely adds value to the house. Mm -hmm. My argument is if you go into negotiation, tell them to take them. 
if, if they're that confident it's worth five grand be like perfect take five grand off the top of this house value mm-hmm. and take your appliances because i don't want them and see if they'll start negotiating because my my reason behind all that i i got lucky and whenever we were negotiating my house i just got a really good deal based off of stuff i already found so i was okay with paying whatever extra it was for the appliances whatever you also got the greatest deal deal in the world on your washer and dryer yes. i know that's random but i just wanted to throw that in yeah, there i got I'm a crazy jealous. deal because i bought it off craigslist and picked up at some lady's house but um it, nuts but yeah, so, and, and here's my argument behind that because you're like, well, well, that's $5,000. It's already there. I don't have to worry about getting any more. No, again, it goes back to one of our other episodes. Go to Lowe's or Home Depot, get a credit card through them. Zero, it does 0% for two years. Buy the same exact thing, throw it in your house. Now you're building yourself credit on top of it. Mm-hmm. You're already going to pay the five grand. Do you really want to throw that five grand on top of your loan at 3% or do you want to do it at 0%? Correct. Small things. And it puts it back in your favor for negotiation because I absolutely hate whenever I'm looking at a home and the real estate agent will say, oh, it has brand new appliances. It's like, perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that information mm-hmm. that I do not find beneficial because that does not add true value to the home. Is that going to add an extra $4 per square foot because I'm buying a fridge? No. no. Take that out, please. Thank you. Yeah. And that and that, that's the other thing too. A lot of times you can save money by if, if someone like Nebraska Furniture Mart's huge out here, right? Yeah, it is. And, yeah. and you can save you could save money doing their 0% for 24 months or 12 months or whatever special it is they're running at the time, right? You can, you can save yourself that extra cash on your loan potentially and on the house cost and just go that route. Now, what I will say is obviously, obviously do not just take out a credit card for the sake of taking out a credit card. If you cannot afford it and you are like, you have to buy the house, right? You're in that situation where I need a home and I really cannot afford to go out and get a bunch of appliances. Well, then don't do it. Then you need to consider that it's your individual circumstance. And we're always going to preach that, right? We'll give general advice, but we're always going to say your individual circumstance matters. It differs for everybody. Right. So with that being said, thank you so much for joining us, Alex, before we go, I want to ask you if there's one thing you want our listeners to take away from this episode. What is it? I know I put you on the spot. That's a good one. Um, The biggest thing I would say is something that I heard from somebody uh, last week that's a a friend. Mm -hmm. And it is um, just because somebody watches three YouTube videos and listens to one podcast that has somebody on it does not make them a expert at that subject. So if you're at your holiday dinner this this time of year and someone's telling you and that home loans are going to go up 15 percent and you need to buy a home this week, uh, tell them thank you for their expert opinion and do your own research Mm -hmm. because a bunch of us are are disagreeing with that because we're looking at true raw data that's coming from others and and granted I don't do for a living but that's my biggest thing that i'd say to take away is just to make sure that if someone's telling you something to take it with a grain of salt and do 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 your research and make sure you're making the best decision for you and your current circumstance do that with us too yeah if we if we tell you something if we're saying hey you got to check this out look at it do the research and come to your own conclusion we're not going to get our feelings hurt if you do the research you come to a different conclusion right and you let it you can tell us you can reach out to us on social media whatever say hey this is what i found we're going to look at it from an objective lens and say hey all right you know that is better information and we'll come back out and we will explain exactly that you know if we find if you find something that we missed we'll we'll come on the show and say even experts are wrong sometimes i mean it is what it is so you have to do your own research but that's the biggest takeaway that i can possibly say um with this because i like i said man at the end of the day everyone says they're an expert at something but again 
I, I do this as a very intense hobby. I would say this is hopefully my career in the future. I do this every day for multiple hours after my work. Yep. Um, but I'm not a, a professional at it, obviously. Um, but at the same time, yeah, just do your research and and uh, going forward, make sure if you're with people that, that you're taking what they say with a grain of salt and uh, you make the decisions ultimately yourself. Awesome. Well, with that... Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, This is a short episode, but hopefully it got you through whatever awkward family interaction that you are having right now for your holidays. Yes. Um, You know, put this in, put this in an earbud while, uh, uh, while you're on the family zoom call and, and just tune out a little bit if, if that's your jam, but uh, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a very safe and fun holiday. Um, Enjoy yourselves as much as you can. We're still going to be posting content. But like I said, thank you so much for joining Watch the Ticker today. Make sure you hit us up on social media at Watch the Ticker Podcast. And if you got questions, shoot us an email at watchthetickerpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be happy to answer any questions that you've got. Definitely. Have a great day, guys. Thanks. Easy. Bye.